Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Subtle Interference. I'm your host, Bob. I'm your other host, Alex. Joining us today, Fucking special guest, nobody. the Vacant. shoebox. Oh, the shoebox is generally a pretty solid guest. <laughs> say say hi to the people, shoebox. Great to hear from you. <laughs> Thanks for being here in your own home. What's going on, Alex? Oh, not much, Bob. How's your week been? Um, two weeks. How's your two weeks been? Sorry. Uh, mostly filled with me uh, trying to hurt myself um, in, with construction uh, around my house. Um, and, you know, not doing anything fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know... Mine's been not trying to hurt myself and filled with fun. So, you know, tough times. Yeah. Tough times. These are tough times for the Chicago suburbs. (laughs) You know, I'm annoyed that there's no games out right now to play. You know, we'll get to that in a second. But speaking of Chicago, oh, I uh-huh. want to tell you a little story. Because oh. you know I love the misery of others. It's one of my, it's like fuels my soul, you know. Yes. So I'm watching, well, I'm not watching, but I was watching the highlights of a Cubs game the other night. They were playing the Phillies. Oh, jeez. And you, Darvish, is pitching for the Cubs. Cubs, he's pitching great. Pitches a great game. Mm-hmm. Seven innings, shutout ball, strikes out like eight guys or something. Pitches awesome. Relievers come in. Eighth inning, give up a run. Okay, it's still it's still five. It's five to one. You know, it's five to one. They're okay. Ninth inning rolls along, five to one. Suddenly, the Phillies score again. Now it's five to two. Then the bases are loaded. And Bryce Harper comes up to bat. And he hit a ball, I would say, into like the stratosphere. <laughs> you know? Like it landed like in the second deck. <laughs> and hits a so he hits a grand slam to win the game, walk off. I was like Cubs. That's the Cubs right there. Brings me great joy because you know the Cubs are just got the biggest group of Fairweather fans ever. You said this was in Chicago? No, I think it was in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. I was going to say you can't walk off if you're not at home. But, okay. The other night, too, they're playing. I think they were also playing the Phillies. Yeah, they were. It's the ninth inning down like one or two i think they're down Mm -hmm. two they got a guy on no outs guy comes up to bat stares it's like he's down like one two in the count or something Mm -hmm. stares at a pitch that's you know i would say estimate 10 feet outside the zone sure umpire calls a strike He just stands there. He didn't even yell. He just like stood there. He kind of looked at the umpire. Was like, 
okay. Like, this is so obscene. I'm not even going to get upset about it. Oh, my like, God. You can't even. Like, do you remember that scene from Major League where he throws a pitch and the pitch is like legitimately, <laughs> legitimately an arm's length outside the zone? And the radio announcer goes just a bit outside. <laughs> that was this. And I guess that um, some group does stat tracking because there's stat tracking for everything Mm -hmm. of the chances any given pitch will be called a ball or strike like the computer decides the chance Mm -hmm. the chance of this pitch the computer decided being called a strike was 0.0 (laughs) percent and they called a strike it was amazing it was like the worst strike three call i've seen in so long I can't even remember the last one that was this close. That was this far away, I guess I should say. Man. Anyways, video games, Bob. Here's the issue. Wait, 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 wait. 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 I want, before we move on to games. Okay. Since you brought up bad, bad uh, umpiring. How do you feel about making the move to... Uh, computers calling balls and strikes. I think they should. Just for consistency. And everyone would know exactly what it is. There'd be no debate. It'd be like, that's a strike. What does it, what does it add to the game to have the randomness of God only knows what's going to be called? You know, there is a, like... There's something to be said for, like, the pitcher working the strike zone. Like yeah. Convincing the umpire that that corner that's a ball is yeah. actually a strike. Yeah. I You know, it's... there. There's, there's a part of me that doesn't like technology interfering in the game um, because, for one, it, it disrupts the, the pace of play. And that's very distracting. Um, not Bob the dog walking around. That is also very distracting. But um, you know, it it just it takes a it takes an element out of it. Like, and I do think there is value in tradition, but there's there's actually like there's a bigger element at play in this. It's you know a bad call by an umpire in a game. Now, regular season game, usually probably not too terribly important, but a bad, a bad call by an umpire and you can send one team to the world series and another team, not which can have huge economic implications for one city over another. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a lot like I know major league baseball and all the sports leagues don't really give a shit at all about their economic impact. Um, uh, except for when they're lying about its size to get stadium deals, but you know, it makes a difference. You know, a team winning, uh, a major championship can be a huge, um, morale boost for a city. Um, leads to a lot of 
uh, a lot of purchasing uh, and, it, you know, an economic boom. I, I hesitate to say that the economic impact is significant uh, in and of itself, uh, but I've seen it in... You know, I saw it in Boston after the Red Sox won in 04 when I was there. You know, people just generally feel better. Like, yeah, people are happy. They're, it, it's it's a big deal for people, and um, it builds pride. And so, you know, but and to have that stolen from you by a bad call that could have easily been corrected by the use of technology... It, it does it, it you know it's bigger than it's bigger than the game well and i think for something like balls and strikes that's a set rule right like there's a certain distance mm-hmm. above and below the plate or not below but a certain distance like from your knees to what is it like from your knees to your chest mm-hmm. and then the width of the plate obviously like there's a clear set strike zone yep and there's no question of what it is. There's no wiggle room. Mm-hmm. The only problem is you can't actually see it unless you're watching on TV yeah. or you're the computer. I think at the major league level, it makes tons of sense to just implement the computers um, and leave. You know, they're they're going to use the minor leagues for testing the technology. But, um, you know, leave getting calling normal balls and strikes um, at the minor league level. You want to leave the traditions, leave them at the minor league level where it doesn't have nearly the, the impact um, outside of um, outside of the game. Well, lucky, luckily for baseball, most of its rules are pretty cut and dry as yeah. well. Like you're either safe or you're out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no like wiggle room in there. Now, you might not have the camera angle. Maybe that's something that's really bang, bang. You might not have the camera angle to see, like, oh, was he touching right. the bag first or did he get tagged first? But you don't have all the judgment calls of other sports, yeah, know, like hockey or football, which are just filled with constant judgment calls. You know, like, you always joke around. You know, On any given play of football, you could call holding. Yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> Holding happens every play, every down of every football game that's ever been. Mm-hmm. It's just down to the official of whether or not they want to call it or did it. do they feel like it affected the play. Yeah. Bob the dog is currently deciding if he wants to destroy your couch or not. That pillow is so fucked. <laughs> I just, I don't. Yeah, you. We're talking about you. No, and that's a good point. I, you know, it's. I think one of the things that's been interesting, especially now in the high def era, and um, we're getting um, better views of things. It's like it's it's understandable how hard it is to make that split decision on was a person out or safe, and I think I think that takes away a bit for people. Um, when they see a call reversed and that, you know, something that was really on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I saw something um, a little while back about how, you know, there, you know, there's trends that are, are changing in baseball. And part of it is because we can now, you can review a play and 
you know, really analyze it at a microscopic level, whereas you couldn't before. So, uh, and, and, you know, the players are performing at such a high level, like, you can't follow that. I like one of the things that amazes me are how, like, people can watch a pitch and tell you what kind of pitch it was. You know, I yeah, look at it, I'm like, tell. it's like that's a fastball. Yeah. Right. Like, unless the ball moves a ton. I could not tell you the difference between most pitches and uh but they can you know they'll tell you oh that's a sinker that's a fastball that's a two seam that's a curveball that you know uh and I'm like I, I what <laughs> yeah the only time I know what type of pitch it is is when I'm knocking it out of the park in super mega baseball too <laughs> <laughs> Bob, I so wish we could get on there and play some two versus two on that game. It'd be so much fun. I'll just jack all my difficulties up to 99 so there'll be a chance that I lose. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I love about that game, Bob? No one can hit my pitching. Nobody. I mean, yeah, if you turn the sliders down to like zero, you could hit the pitching. Mm -hmm. But come on. Man up. I love that game. Anyways, no, what I what I want, and this is just like a general sports thing, and I'm God knows I've been banging this drum for five years, but I want a set of rules in all sports that are agreed upon to be enforced every single time it happens. I hate the wiggle room of the judgment calls like, oh, well, this time we're not calling that because reasons or it's the last minute of the game. Mm-hmm. So penalties no longer exist or it's the last 30 seconds. So we're not going to allow you to draw us into a pass interference. You yeah. know, I hate that shit. And we saw it last year in the playoffs when that Saints Rams game that was just completely decided because the official just made a decision. I'm not calling pass interference no matter what. And a guy gets lit up before the ball even gets close to him. And we're just not calling anything. And you decide who's going to the Super Bowl. And so I I hate shit like that where the official, I know in their mind they're thinking, I don't want to decide the outcome of this game. But you just did. Right. And, you know, if someone commits a penalty, you're not deciding the outcome. Mm-hmm. They are. They committed the penalty. Right. Just call the rule book. And I hate it's the worst in hockey where, you know, in overtime, playoff overtime in hockey. Holy shit. You better bring a fucking shotgun. That's the, <laughs> only, that's the only way we're getting any penalties called. And those games always turn into big, you know, grab and clutch fests where the game gets slowed down because we're just going to hold on to everyone all over the ice and we're yeah. not calling anything. And I hate that shit. Just call, just come up with rules that you want to enforce no matter what time of the game it is, no matter what the situation is, and tell your officials, enforce the fucking rule well, book. What, I think the spin that you get on it from the, the pundits is, oh, let them play. But... If you have rules that are always enforced, they will get to play. Right. 
because you won't be getting interfered with or getting hooked mm-hmm. or getting slashed all the time mm-hmm. because there will be a real fear of getting penalties called. And that should be shouldn't that be the whole point of a penalty in hockey is that you're scared to take it. Mm-hmm. So you play accordingly. And what would that do? If you knew any time you slashed a guy's hand, you were going in the box, what would that do? Open up the game because you'd be afraid of taking a penalty. You dig- Hockey has the best penalty. Yeah, you go into far. the box of shame and you just wallow in despair while you pray the other team doesn't score. Like... No other sport has as great a penalty. You just have to go sit in the box alone. And and you're down a man. Yeah. Like, that's, it's such a huge penalty. Um, I w- Imagine if, like, you lost a man on the football field. Oh if you get God. a penalty. Like a defender has to – it's like you only have ten people on defense. Yeah. Now it's like, fuck – how do we cover the field? It was hard enough. Here, uh, here, here's what I'll say. Maybe not, maybe not remove a defender, but the offense gets to decide where one defender stands, and it can be literally anywhere on the field. <laughs> oh God! And what he just has to stand there. He he has to start there. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So you could like start a guy in the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> But then, but you know what the problem with that is? Let's say you're on the one-yard line. Mm-hmm. You have to start the guy, what, in the end zone? He's starting there anyway. Why can't he start in the other end zone? Well, he'd be offside. That's a penalty. Well, <laughs> <laughs> then you get it again. <laughs> you can cause more Alex, penalties. Alex, I feel like you're taking my silly rule too seriously. No, no, no. I'm breaking this down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you brought up some dumb shit. We're doing it. <laughs> I love stupid rules. They're just ridiculous. I like all the hidden rules of baseball that no one actually knows until they're broken. Yeah. And then someone gets beamed. So one of the things that drives me bonkers with baseball, and the only reason I know this is because I, um, my little brother played um, baseball, and I, uh, I took him to a lot of his games, and I watched. So when you run through first... In order to just stay safe, you have to turn to the right. If you turn to the left, they can tag you out on first um, after you've run through it. So turning to the right is saying, I'm done. I'm not going to attempt to go any further. And I see this happen from time to time in professional play, and I'm like, Oh my God, just throw to first. Just go tap first. Just do it. But they won't do it because it's like, it's that unwritten rule of baseball. Like, yeah, eh, it's, it's kind of a dick move. It's kind of like doing the hidden ball trick. Yeah. It's like, but I love those, that shit. When you were a kid and you did the hidden ball trick, people would get so mad at you. Mm hmm. It, it's about respect. Alex, I don't have any fucking respect. We're playing to win, damn it. So, Bob, to get back to what you were saying originally, which is there's no video games to play. Yeah. I I disagree. I think there's a lot of stuff to play, but 
here's my two issues. One, if I'm going to play a game that I play by myself, I'm always very reluctant to start new games. I have like, I have like a new game phobia. I don't know <sighs> what my deal is. I, I really want to play, for example, Resident Evil 1 Remake. Mm-hmm. I just can't get myself to start. I won't even start the game. Like I have a problem. Well, maybe we should go put it on TV and we could stream it for the podcast. <laughs> we could do that. We could. But then I'd have to let you play and make fun of you. You know, it would be like a bad look for me. Like I'm making fun of someone with some sort of mental problem, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now I have another problem. It is really hard to find games that a lot of people can play together that don't fall into two categories. And the two categories are one, competitive multiplayer games. Mm-hmm. Or co-op multiplayer games that are very loot driven. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of like the two games. So like competitive multiplayer would, of course, be Overwatch or Call of Duty or Rainbow Six, you know. And then loot driven co-op games would be your Destiny, Borderlands, Diablo, The Division. Mm -hmm. So it can be a real struggle to try to find games that don't fall into those two categories mm-hmm. that people actually want to play. Cause yeah. you know, when I bring up uh, say, you know, monopoly, <laughs> the reaction can often be poor to that suggestion. Yes. Um, again, which would not fall into those two categories. Well, so this is, this is my general problem is, you know, those are, you know, and, and I enjoy Overwatch. I'm terrible at it, um, and I do get frustrated sometimes because I am terrible at it, and I don't have the time to put in to get good at it. Um, but, uh, but you know, more or less, I do enjoy it. Um, but the, you know, there's there's not a game out there that I can play. And just play casually and be able to jump in with the party and and not be the person just dragging it down <laughs> into the toilet. Wow, way to bring all that confidence to the proceedings. <laughs> I mean, usually it's fine because there's usually a rando in the group who's like just doing whatever the fuck they want and screwing everything up anyways. So it's fine. <laughs> but but you know it's it, it is frustrating it's like because you know as it, in my current position i just don't have the time to put into it so it's like it punishes you for like having to do real life shit <laughs> yeah well and that's a lot of games now where a lot of games are almost they're they're designed to be full-time jobs yeah it's crazy Mm-hmm. There's so few games that you can just pick up and play. And that's 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 why I love games like Mario. I can just I can go back and play Super Mario Bros. 3 anytime and just pick it up, start from 1-1 and like have a great time. Well, and I think yeah, I think if you start thinking about single player games, you can come up with a lot of games that you could just yeah. pick up and play. I'm more talking about from a multiplayer focus. 
Yeah, there's there's very few. You know, like we bring up like the golf club. Yeah. You can just pick up and play the golf club, but mm-hmm. well, one it's a big time commitment because of how long the rounds take and two you can't get everyone to play a golf game. Yeah. You know? So it's like there's always there's options, but they're not great options, you know, like I always like to bring up stuff like the Master Chief Collection because I'm like, hey, we could get on there and four or five of us could play and we mm-hmm. could do bullshit game modes. Yep. I don't have to try. Yeah. Like, I don't have to work. I don't have to play for real. And we could have fun. And that gets that just gets shot down <laughs> every time that gets shot down. I, I the, the argument that shoots it down is always I don't want to shoot my friends, which is. A very nice sentiment. But I want to shoot my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just care. that's so weird to me. I I grew up playing games against my friends. Goldeneye was the best. Yeah, I the thing is, I guess for people who are maybe if you're say you're twenty two now, I guess, maybe you didn't grow up playing games against your friends that were multiplayer. Yeah. Because there was, like, online play the whole time. But when, you know, like, not that you and I are fucking old, but when we were young, there was no Xbox Live. Nope. So if you wanted to play a shooter, if you wanted to play GoldenEye multiplayer, you had to play against your friends. You, you remember, know, like... In the, Halo 1, yeah. you had to play against your friends. There was no... The I giant there, LAN parties? Yeah, I guess Halo 1, there was, like, um, it was, like, Xbox Connect or something to play online, but it didn't work that well. It was very laggy. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it was just, you either, you had four people with controllers, and you played split screen, or if you were really ambitious, and I saw this a lot in college in the dorm, you know, people would just have giant LAN parties. Yeah. Um, and it... You know, it was it was cool. It was fun. Um, but, yeah, it's the way the Internet and the way uh, the game companies have gone is just it kind of just killed that all. Like, how many games anymore even have the option of local multiplayer? Uh, very few. I think it's starting to come back around. I think people have been complaining long enough that it's coming back to around a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think it's a very niche feature, and I think I mean I, I hate playing for, split screen, but yes, well, split screen I don't enjoy, but I would enjoy land play. Yeah, um, you know, in a magical, wonderful world where I got sixteen people together to play on their own TVs, you know, but there's a there's a place around here that that um they'll you can go and do parties and like they set everyone up with like a big barca lounger and a tv and a console and man bob i need a fucking lazy boy yeah so bad yeah you do i need something that i can because like if i'm playing something for real let's say i'm playing overwatch I want to lean forward, you know. I need to like lean forward and get into it and assume a assume a position of power, you know, <laughs> to shoot people. You know what I'm saying, Bob? Come yes. On. But when you're playing some games, you just want to kick back. Yeah. And it's hard to kick back in a computer chair. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you because I know because I was like, 
when I'm thinking about like, it's like you don't play from your couch. That's pretty far away. From no, your that's TV. too far away. Yeah. 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 Go so get a, go get a go I, get a lazy boy. Yeah, and just like throw it in the center of my room. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah, you can move it. Uh, but I don't know. But now, yeah, people don't want to play games against their friends, and I think that's so weird because that's who I want to play against. That's who I got. That's how I got good at stuff was playing against people who were at my skill level or better than me. That's how you got better. Mm-hmm. You don't get better by beating up on some idiot who doesn't even look like they know the buttons on the controller. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't sharpen any skills. Yep. I always wanted to play against people who were better than me, though, because that's how you got better. Right. You need to. And, yeah, you lose a lot, but maybe one day you start beating them, and then you have that satisfaction of improving. But I don't know. A lot of people don't have that mindset anymore. I don't know. It's it's interesting to see just, you know, in the last – 20 years how much video gaming has changed and um you know obviously technologically they've there's been you know advances in graphics and processing power and um and the ability to do online play and do it at you know relatively um with good connections but it you know the effects that it's had on the just the way people play games has been um you know, even a bigger change in my mind. And, uh, it's crazy. And it's crazy how like these game, like you said, like these games are designed to be full-time jobs. Like how much time you have to put into them. Yeah. Well, that, that's the issue. And that, that's the nice thing. Like when destiny, when a large portion of the game goes free to play is at least you'll be able to try it and it'll be free. Mm-hmm. And you won't have to make a monetary investment to try it. Right. Because once you spend money, then you feel like you have to play it. Well, maybe not you, <laughs> but most people. I, I I usually, if I buy something, I'm going to at least give it a try. Um, That's a good idea. I, I don't always stick with it. Um, and, there, you know, that's happened with games that I've liked, too. Like... Doom, Doom's an awesome game. Mm-hmm. The gameplay is fan- the new one. Yeah, the new one. Um, the the gameplay is fantastic. It looks good. It you know feels like the old Doom games. Uh, I I really enjoyed playing it. Um, but you know it was like even for a good game, I don't I can't make the time to finish it. So it's like what am I going to do with a mediocre game? <laughs> yeah. Know? It's like, I'm just going to be like, eh. Well, and this kind of segues to another topic, but I've been playing the original doom again. I think, I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. Maybe I have, I can't remember. I don't think so. I think we talked about this. So. I can't remember anything we talk about on the podcast. So I just repeat things, whatever yep. deal with it. I've been playing the original doom and that game is so fucking good. And it's not good for when it came out. It's fucking good for today. 
like yeah the graphics are shit and everything and it's a whole fake t- fake 3d game and all that shit and you're not even really like aiming at people <laughs> for the most part but it's so good and the level design is so good and the music is so good i was playing through this one level where you know there's a map like as you move through the level there's Mm -hmm. a map you can pull up and the map does start to lay out the level design to a certain degree but it also doesn't really expose secrets um and also some levels have a map pickup so you can actually see the whole map and it'll show you where you've been and where you haven't been Mm -hmm. but even that doesn't really end up exposing every last secret on the map because even if you can see that there's like an area next to you that you can't get to you still have to figure out how to get there but man the i'm just the level design is so good and interesting in that game i played this one level that starts off and you're kind of in this room with all these boxes and there's been levels like this in video games plenty of times where like you have to navigate your way through the boxes and it's kind of like a maze but you start to like find more like secret places and item pickups and then you find like you know like you get like the blue key and it's like oh i remember there was a blue key door 10 minutes ago like that way yeah you know and if i go open that that's gonna lead me to some other things and i played through this whole level and it took me like 20 minutes but just so many things that I just discovered and figured out. Mm-hmm. I didn't like look up some fucking guide or anything, you know, like that's the other thing now is everyone wants to just like have everything handed to them. It's like I figured it out on my own. I figured out all these secrets. And at the end, they pop up the thing, you know, and it's like kills 100 percent items, 100 percent secrets, 100 percent. It's like that's satisfying. Yeah. You know. And it's just there. The level design in that game is so good, and it's every level is really good. You know, like there's no like levels where you're just like that was boring and that sucked. And mm-hmm. The only knock against the game is there's really not uh, enemy variety. There's like really like five enemies maybe in the whole game. Sure, not like counting like boss enemies, but five like regular enemies that you run into. But yeah, that game is so good and it, it holds up and you can't say that for a lot of games from that time, especially that type of game, because there's a lot of platformers that hold up, you know, yeah. um, and there's a lot of arcade style games that hold up or fighting games that hold up, but very few first person shooters actually hold up when you go and play them 20 years later. And, you know, now what what? What is it a what has changed in FPS is that that makes it hard for these games to hold up? Well, I think for a lot of games it's just one, obviously the graphics. You know, like you gotta get over the fact that Doom has graphics from whenever it came out, nineteen eighty five or whenever the fuck it came out, I don't know. But that's not true. It probably was early nineties, right? Yeah, probably. That's what I'm Yeah. You could look it up, but I think it's like early nineties. But um, I don't know. I think for a lot of games, uh, they don't hold up well because they might have bad controls or... Uh, 93. 93, yeah, that's kind of what I figured when I thought about it for a moment. Um, 
you know, bad controls, bad graphics can be off-putting. There's something about Doom where it's like, it obviously has these bad graphics, but it's still very clean looking. And a lot of games have bad graphics and like the resolution's super low um, or it's really like foggy or cloudy. Like, I don't know if you remember like Turok 64, but that game had like this horrible fog of war mm-hmm. where you could never see more than like five feet around yourself, you know, <laughs> yeah. as like a trick to be allow the game to actually maintain a playable frame rate. But I don't, I don't know. Like I went back and I was playing Halo one recently on the master chief collection. And yeah, the, it's like you could play with like the original graphics or you could play with the remastered graphics or whatever. But either way, it's not a graphics problem with that game, but the gameplay loop doesn't hold up that well. I played one level, and maybe I just like played a really bad level within the game because like everyone remembers in Halo 1, the library was like the most repetitive level of all time. But I played another level that was very repetitive. It was basically like you cross a bridge, fight some enemies as you cross a bridge, mm-hmm. go into a room, kill some enemies walk out of that room cross another bridge same looking bridge (laughs) fight some enemies go into another room that's the same layout with the same enemies and you fight those enemies and this happened this process repeated of the same bridge and essentially the same room repeated no exaggeration at least eight times (laughs) and after a while you're just like fuck (laughs) Like, can this mission just end? Like, this is so padded out, you know? Right. Like, repeat once or twice. By the time it repeated eight times, I was like, fuck you, Bungie. Honest to God. You know, one of the the things I think about when I think about repetitiveness in games is going back to Mass Effect 1. And that had easily the best story of the series but those like those missions to the Cerberus bases well in the car stuff oh my god the car stuff was the worst part of that game but every every game had something brutal like that right like all the Mass Effects had something along those lines like remember Mass Effect 2 had that planet scanning Mm -hmm. that was just literally like, take this reticle and go up and down a planet and up and down. And you'd have to do it for every fucking planet to find everything. And And I did it. it, I did it too. It wasn't as bad as the car stuff because the thing with the car stuff was when you would go to, like some of the planets were pretty flat, but some of the planets were very mountainous. Yeah, And when you went, and that thing was not good with any sort of terrain. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. It was not enjoyable at all. And then in shitty Mass Effect Andromeda, they brought the stupid car back. It's like, this is the worst part of this series. They, But they said that it it was better. Well, it was better, but it was not much. And it was in a bad game. But, <laughs> I, by the way, I saw the lead designer of Anthem left Bioware. So, oh really? Good times over at Bioware. Um, good times. What's the guy's name? Casey Hudson. 
Um, the head over there, he's gonna be gone again. <laughs> again. Well, he le- he left. He left. This time it won't be voluntary. Yeah. No, it was like, uh, um, Bioware's so fucked, and yeah. it's so depressing. And you know, I was, I was all on board for the hate train on EA, um, because it's so easy, um. But after that Jason Schreier investigation, uh, it was basically just like. Well, it was their fault, but EA by, played a role. EA, if for the, the first time, I think we can ever say we wanted EA to manage them more. <laughs> yeah, could you guys have taken a more active role here? But I don't know. There's so many studios now that seem mismanaged and. So many things that from an outsider perspective seem obvious, like mm-hmm. obvious mistakes, not in retrospect, but as they're happening. Yeah. And I don't know, man. Some of these people, I think I think you see it more in technology-driven industries than any others, that people are very much in a bubble. And they don't understand what a normal, quote-unquote, normal person wants because they're just completely in their own world. And I think you see it like Google is the most obvious example of this. Yeah. When you see some of the ways things work with Android, it's like, it's so clear an engineer built this Yep. and they have no idea what a normal person wants. Mm -hmm. It's as if they've never used any user interface that's friendly at all. Mm -hmm. You know? Well, I wanted to think because in their engineer mind, it works. Well, and that's one of the things like so you know in in my my work i you know i do programming and um the stuff we do gets released to the broader public um and you know you really have to take a step back and say what is somebody going to do with this and how how are they going to interact with it because in your mind it can work and I've had things where, like, I've designed and built them, and I've been like, oh, this is really clever, and this is cool. Um, and then I'll show that show it to someone, and they'll be like, one, I don't get why it's clever and cool, and two, this just doesn't work for me. And, you know, that there's a, that's a shitty feeling as a, as a programmer, but, you know, it's like you there's two ways to take that you can get upset by it and be be angry or you can be like okay sorry that didn't work for you what will work and help me get there and you know it feels like in the game industry it's like they don't they just don't give a shit it's like you will get what you want what we give you and you'll like it um, a lot of times. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people who think, yeah, I'm, I know best. Yeah. I'm the developer. I know best. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not Apple. Yeah. Well, that's the only one they, they can't even make that work anymore. You know, who's got the Apple thing going where like everything works no matter what Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo can do whatever they want. As long as they don't name something Wii U and people think it's a peripheral. You know what Nintendo um, Nintendo does really well is 
they keep things simple. You know, I was never, I've never been a fan of their UI. It's, but it is simple, right? There's not too much you can, you can't get lost in menus. Um, you, you, you're not, they don't throw out updates to it all the time. Uh, so it's, 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 and you can find what you need. You know, it, it could it be better? Sure. But they're like, it's simple. It works. Don't fuck with it. And, you know, there's plenty of criticism to levy at uh, Nintendo, particularly around their piss poor online play. But, you know, it works. No, and I, I think the most obvious example recently of something I played that just has generally a terrible UI when it comes to certain things like I like so when it comes to destiny I like certain things about it a lot you know their their general menu is you don't actually like page through things or anything it's just like a free wheeling like mouse essentially that you use a thumbstick with yeah and when you hover over like let's say you have helmets you have your equipped helmet and when you hover over it it shows you your other helmets that you have in your inventory so you okay. can move around and switch between them freely. And I like that. I like everything related to the kind of inventory stuff. Okay. But they are very bad at anything related to mission design when it comes to identifying it in the interface. So I think a lot of people, when they're new to Destiny, it's kind of like, what do I do next? Where do I go? What should I be doing? Because they don't do a good job of leading you along. And then things exist in multiple places, which I think is always a mm. black mark on UI. Yeah. Um, so you'll have a mission or you'll have a bounty or something. And that's like the thing you should be doing. But it exists in one place and then it exists in another and it's like, and then they'll be called something different in each place. Yeah. Even though they're actually the same thing, which is just the worst. <laughs> so it used to be okay. They had this, they, they have this uh, place in the inventory called pursuits. And that would kind of be where your missions would go. Mm-hmm. So you would have a little icon and the icon would have a certain design to it to denote like kind of what it belongs to. So your PVP missions might have sure. one icon. Your strike missions might have another icon. Um, and then when you hover over them, it would give you more information. It would might tell you something about the bounty. It might tell you like, you know, oh, you've done one out of 25 of this item you need. You know, it's it was it was like it wasn't the best, but you could figure it out. Yeah. And then they moved it, like a couple months ago. So they moved it. it. They moved it into a menu that loads slower than the menu it was in, which is annoying by itself. And then what they did was they took all the icons, and they put part of the text next to the icon of like what the icon was going to say, right? (laughs) But it's never enough information where you actually can know what it is just by looking at it. Like you still have to hover over it anyway sure to see what you need to do so there's more travel time just to move around and look at stuff and 
everything's all jumbled up because there's a bunch of text on screen with icons, it can actually be hard to identify what you're looking at and what you're looking for. And that's super annoying. And then things move around too. Like one time it'll be here. The next time it'll be here. It's like, who made this decision? An idiot. And, and I think like they thought it was good, you know, that's what's crazy about it is they've ex- they've you know said now we know there's a problem and we're going to address it but i think when they released it they thought it was good mm-hmm. and that's what's crazy to me to be in a bubble so much it's that group you think. think it's acceptable it's group think so one of the biggest problems um that we have right now in general is um <laughs> oh, and by the way, if everything I just d- described sounds confusing, that's because it is. <laughs> it, one of the problems we have in in general in our society right now is that uh, the way technology, ha- where technology has gotten us to, to continue to make advances, you really have to do it through collaborative methods. Um, now, you know, when you're, when you go back to say like building a bridge, right? The early days of the industrial revolution, uh, stuff like that. Usually you had, you know, a couple of really smart people, some engineers, um, and then, uh, and then you had a just a big workforce of people who were just willing to work hard. Um, the our need for manual labor has dropped significantly, uh, which means you need more people in that kind of engineering headspace and uh, being able to work together collaboratively. And that's challenging to do for a lot of people um, because you ha- it, it all comes back to challenging the ideas of others and being accepting of when people challenge you and that's hard you know no one likes to be no one likes to throw an idea out there and have five people tell you that they think it sucks um but you need to be able to take it and what ends up happening a lot of times is people just say no that sounds great yeah this looks good hey and you know it's not um, I think what happens in the game industry too, though, is just they get under that crunch, and they just we have say, to hit a date. They just say this is good enough. Um, and you know that happens, and that and that is a reasonable, um, you know that's a, that's a business decision, and if it's deliberate, that's fine. Um, it might be a big enough problem. You got to go back and fix it. The other funny thing that happens is obviously, you know, people are more likely to go on Reddit or forums or whatever and post negative feedback, right? Because if something's... Stop! Stop it! (laughs) We're just leaving that in. (laughs) Bob the dog is driving Bob the human fucking crazy. He's been pawing and stomping on a pillow on the couch well and he was chewing he was biting it too (laughs) and that pillow doesn't detach bud if you tear that 
I'm fucked. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We're going to need a new pillow, new couch, new couch. Well, and two new couches because they are the same. <laughs> Listeners, I know you can't see my facial expression because this is an audio medi- medium, but um, just know. Unhappy. It's not pleased. <laughs> what were we talking about? Thanks, Bob. Now we can't remember what we were talking about. Damn it. Um, well, I'm I, sure it was epic, though. Yeah, it was. It must have been so good that I've forgotten it completely. Damn it, Bob the dog. Oh, well. Well, anyways, maybe I'll remember. But the reason I brought up Doom specifically is, to me, Doom is a game that everyone must play. You know, like if you're a gamer, mm-hmm. you must play Doom. I don't care if you're 15 or if you're 50 or anywhere in between. You should play Doom at least once in your life to have an appreciation for a game that set the whole industry forward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think an ongoing topic on the podcast will be not like the greatest games of all time, although there's obviously going to be overlap, but just games everyone should play Mm -hmm. you know we were talking about it like a game everyone should play just to understand the history of video games would be a game like pong yeah because there's no other video game without pong yeah pong is you know it's foundational right i mean literally (laughs) and it's not like the most fun game ever you're not gonna play it for 60 hours maybe someone did when they had no other option you know but you still should play it. Pong. Um, Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Tetris. Tetris, yeah. Uh, oh. and, they're, and they're not only old games like of that style. There's also new games that everyone should play. New-ish games mm-hmm. like Mass Effect. You know, yep. no one should not play Mass Effect. Like, if you don't like Mass Effect 1 and 2... You're just a monster. You know, <laughs> like there's nothing else to even be said. You're just a bad person. Yeah, pretty much. Um, he, I, I'm sorry, listeners, but he is he is bastardized that pillow so bad. Look at how he's laying. He's like falling down the couch. I will take a picture. Hold on. This Keep is talking. This is absurd. like how how can he possibly be comfortable in that position? Like, and and what was he trying to accomplish? Was he trying to like get the pillow up on the ledge more or something? I don't know. No, he was trying to make himself a comfy place to sleep. But and he's accomplished that goal. Evidently, evidently. Yeah, no human can ever make use of that pillow again. <laughs> but it's it's great for dogs. <laughs> God damn it, Bob. Um, look now he can like look out the window it's perfect he's not even looking out the window he's looking at the fucking curtain you gotta move the curtain for him jeez be more considerate (laughs) (laughs) oh um yeah the mass effect games i would definitely mass effect is what got me back into video gaming um after when i went like i there was a good like seven maybe five or six year stretch 
where I wasn't really playing any video games. And it was kind of when I went to college, um, I didn't, I just didn't play games, um, over that time. Uh, and then I saw the ads for Mass Effect 2 and I was like, this seems like this is right in my wheelhouse. It's the science fiction that I love. Um, I got to do this. And so I bought Mass Effect 2 to play on my brother's Xbox. Um, and, uh, is was still one of my favorite games um of all time. Uh Knights of the Old Republic I'd say is a game that is uh that people should play. Um especially if you are in the Star Wars fandom. You know what's a game everyone should play because it kind of brought back the idea of an ultra hard game because like when you play games on the NES or the Super NES, they were there were a lot of hard games back oh, then. Oh yeah, like a lot of games were hard and required good timing. And then for a long time, games became very easy and became very hard to fail at, and you had a lot of continues, or it didn't really matter if you died. But I thought uh, Ninja Gaiden really brought back the really hard game on mm-hmm. the original Xbox. And then from there, you know, other games have gone on to copy that formula and have their own revisions of it, like Dark Souls. Oh, the Souls. <laughs> you hate those games. Uh, I hate those games. It's not so much for the difficulty. I, I really, I you know, a difficult game is fine. Um, I I just, I don't care much for the aesthetic of them. Um, well, you're just factually wrong. I mean, it, <laughs> that happens from time to time. Um, I, I I have my own alternative facts. Thank you very much. Oh, no. You voting for Trump? <laughs> my vote is between me and God. <laughs> so, Trump. Well, duh. Come on. Uh, Who else would you vote for? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you got to vote on God's side. (laughs) Um, What other... uh, I could think of so many. Yeah. The Legend of Zelda on the NES. uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time on the N64. Super Mario 64. I mean, Super Mario 64 is like what every platformer ever is based off of. I, I think... There, the Mario Brothers franchise definitely has the most number of entries of any franchise on this list, for, without a doubt. I mean, go back to Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, Super Mario Brothers three, um, uh, Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, um, Mario sixty four. Uh, I would say Mario Maker is on that list um, for a different kind of take on the whole series. So uh, the power of the the Mario Brothers franchise in general is Mm -hmm. just incredible. Metroid Prime is another game that should be on that list because I don't remember a game before then that did the whole idea of action in a first-person shooter combined with exploration and kind of like what we're talking about like oh to open a certain door you need a certain gun 
or you need a certain ability yeah. to progress deeper into a stage to mm-hmm. find another secret or find another upgrade. I can't really remember a game before that that combined those elements and did it so well, mm-hmm. such a high level. Um, other uh, Mega Man, Mega Man X. Mm-hmm. I love Mega Man X. The music, the stage design, the idea that you can play through the missions in any order, but if you do them in the right order, it'll be better. Mm-hmm. Um, Depending on which bosses you defeated, will change levels. Yeah, it's that. It's Mega Man is one of those games where, like, I remember playing. Um, I actually played them fairly late. Uh, I did not play them when they were out, and um, you just go through it, and you're like, this is, you know, the creativity here is mm-hmm. gigantic, and, you know, it's not an easy game. No. It's not It's not crazy hard, but it's not easy. Yeah, you can make it easier if you know what weapons to use against what bosses. Mm-hmm. But you can make it super hard as well if you don't use any of those special weapons. Mm-hmm. And then that game also had the aspect, again, of discovery. If you could find the upgrades for X's suit, you could make yourself stronger. If you found the life modules, mm-hmm. you could live longer. Um, Star Fox 64. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an interesting one because it's it it's a standalone. You know, I feel like its influence outside of itself is a little more limited than some other series. Isn't it strange how Nintendo really hasn't made that many Star Fox games? Yeah, they really haven't. Do a barrel roll. Man, I played the shit out of that game. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of that era, though, um, GoldenEye, of course. Yeah. Goldeneye did a lot of things that were really special. And you know what's funny is you go back and look, that game was actually expected to fail um, because it came out like a year after the movie did. And there wasn't like that much crazy hype around it. But I think I think there was hype. That's not true. I think there was hype because it's rare. And rare was still beloved at that time. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like... You know, it ended up being, like, I think the third best-selling N64 game ever, which is insane to think about. Yeah. So, it did way better than I think anyone expected. Um, you got that. Uh, and, again, a lot of N64 games had to overcome that controller. You know, that's the funny thing about that controller is I still know how to use it. Like, I'll jump back in. I and I won't touch an N sixty four controller for years on end, but I'll pop it in and I'll grab it and I'm like, oh, okay. I know how to use it, but it's not enjoyable. It was so goofy. I remember seeing it and I'm like, huh. And what's funny is they ended up following that up with the GameCube controller, which is one of the better controllers ever. See, I don't like the GameCube controller. You're a monster. I could never get used to it. So here's the problem with controllers is uh, PlayStation figured it out. 
and then no, Microsoft kind of cloned it and made it better. I uh, do not like the PlayStation controllers because I'm completely convinced they were designed for midgets. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, no, I think the current iteration of the Xbox controller is... It's pretty good. Pretty darn good. Uh, the Nintendo Pro controller for the Switch is pretty good. Um, I do. I don't mind the the PlayStation controller. I mean, it really hasn't changed. Um, do Japanese people have I tiny don't. hands? Is that the deal? Probably. <laughs> like, if the original Duke controller for the Xbox was designed for Shaq, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that thing was so massive. I could probably kill you with that controller. Like, probably easily. I do enjoy now that like, every controller is basically the same. The same. I mean, I'm looking at the Google Stadia controller right now. and Oh, it's a total clone of the Xbox controller. Yeah. yeah. I it, it looks exactly the same as the Nintendo Pro controller. Um, the only one that's kind of unique is the uh, Valve's Steam controller. Yeah, but no one uses that. I've heard it's actually pretty good too. Like it's you could actually, you know what I think is going to be next that'll catch on. I've heard that gyro aiming is actually much better than using thumbsticks in terms of accuracy. Yeah. So maybe that'll be the big thing, but I think. Someone other than Microsoft or Sony is going to have to build it into their controller. Like maybe Nintendo can really make it catch on because I don't think Microsoft has taken any risks with their controllers. I, I don't think I know what gyro controllers are. So you're holding like a regular controller, but okay. instead of aiming with like, you know, instead of aiming with the right thumbstick, mm -hmm. you aim by moving the controller around. Oh, Okay. And I haven't used it myself, but what I've read is it actually is much better for small movements and fine control than the thumbstick is. Hmm. Now, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't know. <laughs> but maybe it's amazing. I, I haven't tried it myself, but I've heard it's very good on Splatoon. Splatoon. Splatoon's a fun game. I never played it. Oh, I wish I could justify buying a Nintendo console, but I just can't make it work. Just in go my get mind. a Switch Lite. Nah, it'll be fine. Nah, Let's I'm just gonna it. take your Switch when you get bored with it. <laughs> well, you know, you could just get Google Stadia. Fuck. You know what is funny though? Is it just me? I'm trying to think about it. The Xbox One controller, and I guess, you know, obviously this started on the original Xbox. Are they the only ones that are doing offset thumbsticks still? I feel like everyone else does thumbsticks where they're on the same level, you know? Like they're even with each other. PlayStation's like that. Isn't the new Google Stadia controller like that? It is. I think the Nintendo Pro controller is like that. And I prefer offset thumbsticks to the ones where they're the same. Like, where they're next to each other? I think that's weird. Yeah. Uh, the Nintendo Pro Controller is um, offset. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I... 
I that is the that is the so interestingly it took me a while because I was a PlayStation person for a long time, um, and then it took me a while to get used to the Xbox controller. But now that I am, like, I I'm don't I hate the PlayStation controller. I don't like having both thumbsticks down here. All right, Bob, we got to talk about something. What? Now, this is a sp- well, you know what? We'll leave it for last. Uh-oh. Real quick, real quick. It's there's a rumor that come October NXT, which is currently a 1-hour show on the WWE. Oh, we're going Network. this way? Oh yeah. I meant to bring up Street Fighter. Street Fighter? As oh a, yeah, yeah, as yeah. a must play. We're this is going to be an ongoing discussion. Yeah, we're going to be talking about this for years on the podcast. Anytime we don't have anything to talk about, <laughs> so <laughs> this is going to be ongoing. Um, so there's a rumor that starting in October ish, to go head to head with AEW, so they don't have any competition on the on the time slot. NXT is going to move from the network and be on USA. And it's going to be a two-hour show. And to that I say, it was nice knowing you. Rest in peace, NXT. Because it's over. I, I That'll mean, that'll mean there's going to be WWE for three hours on Monday. Three hours, or two hours on Tuesday until they move to Fox. Then it'll be two hours on Friday. And two hours on Wednesday. Yeah. And all of that will be overseen by the big man, Vince McMahon. Yeah, I saw that report uh, about what Meltzer said, and like, fuck, <sighs> NXT's dead. It's over. Yeah, yeah, it will be. And I, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you are such a fucking moron. The other, <laughs> the other thing is, is it just me or when WWE keeps doing things to acknowledge that they're competing with AEW, doesn't that just legitimize AEW more and more and make them seem like more and more of a real threat? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, and I keep coming back to this. If... If you if if the cons are in this and they're serious about it, oh, they can make it happen. Vince thinks he has money. No, yeah, there's there's there's, uh, he, there's money, and then there's NFL owner money. Yeah, like <laughs> I, you know, and and it it will have to, you know, it does have to succeed, you know. But every indication is people are energized by AEW. They want to see something different. There's a market for it. They have a lot of challenges ahead of them, but they have a lot of momentum. They have a fan base um, that is asking for more and the the and like you said if you get the more wwe treats them like a competitor the more they are yeah and it's i i at this point i just want to see wwe fail (laughs) Um, well i want to see them have real pressure 
So yeah. they actually have to respond and do something. Because right now when they claim, you know, like, oh, we know people aren't happy and we're going to do this and that and the other, it's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's all bullshit because they're untouchable. I don't want them to be untouchable, so they actually have to present a better product. Yeah. No, you want the competition. Um, I, I genuinely want to see Vince McMahon no longer the head of WWE. Um, it is clear from everything you read about him, everything, uh, every interview you see with him, and just from the product that is presented that not only is he out of touch, but he's just, he's, he just promotes so many unhealthy habits and you know it 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 permeates through everything in wwe well and he's at that point in his life he's fully locked in in stubborn old man phase yeah where it's like i've got so much money i don't have to give a fuck about what anyone else thinks And look, I would love to be in that position, right, where you have endless money and you have all the power and you don't have to care what anyone else thinks. You don't like it too fucking bad. You Mm -hmm. know, he's totally in that place. But from a viewer perspective, it's not great. (laughs) You know, I'm not I'm not loving what's happening from a viewer perspective, although the show has been I've been hearing it's been better recently, but I don't need better. I need like great. I'm not coming back for better. Yeah. I it, it's it's insane to me that people still watch. I mean, obviously a lot less people are um but you know Vince is 73. Like you know, and that's yeah, that's, that's the point where you're not going to change. No, you're not going to change. Um you know, it's not He's not to like the the part where you're starting to say, oh, he, you know, he can't even function as a human being anymore, and, and that's not true. But it's you know he he wants a product out that he you know I think in Vince's head he wants you know he still likes the imagery of the '80s. Um. And he wants the same level of success of the Attitude Era. Um, and he's just ignoring everything that the market is saying about what it wants right now. Yeah. And because he's the on- been the only show in town, he's been able to do it and get away with it because wrestling fans are idiots who, instead of speaking with their dollars, just keep watching. Um, but I don't... I can't even blame wrestling fans because if you love wrestling, you're you want to see it, and if there's an you know if that's the option that's available to you, that's what you're going to consume. Um, now the whole thing just pisses me off because it's it's exactly the problem with you know it's a monopoly and no one no one uh, because it's a an entertainment product uh and it's seen as a luxury which admittedly it is you know no one's gonna do anything about it 
Well, and the other problem is the only way you can compete with a mega rich guy who has a monopoly in a given space is with another mega rich guy. <laughs> there can't be like some startup who's going to compete with them. You need cash. Yeah. And you need a lot of cash. A lot. So I think for our final topic of the day, we got to talk about Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and the Furious presents <laughs> Hobbs and Shaw. So spoiler alert, you know, if you don't want to hear about the fucking movie, give you like five seconds. There's no actual plot, though, so you're fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to take a genius to figure out how this movie ended. <laughs> but... <laughs> Bob the dog's still in his comfy seat. Uh, he's managed to get his head over the back, and now it's resting on the all, sill. All dogs lay and move around as if they have no bones. <laughs> you know? Like, if you laid like that, you'd be in the hospital. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hobbs and Shaw. Yes. This movie fucking sucked. I'm not going to claim that this movie is good by any stretch of the imagination, but it is ridiculous and it is fun. But it's not ridiculous, good, or fun. It's not fun. What part of it was fun? Tell me. I I enjoy the Statham and Rock bickering. But the thing was, the script was bad. So the lines they were trading weren't entertaining or funny. Nah. Like, I'm not going to pretend that I remember all the lines in that most recent one. But in that most recent Fast and the Furious, when did that essentially spawned this Hobbs and Shaw, was there was like two scenes where they were just going back and forth with each other mm -hmm. and it made the whole fucking movie. Yeah. And then they had that whole prison break scene that was oh, just God. like the greatest thing in the history yeah. of the franchise. No, I, I, I'll admit like there are not parts of this. Like there's not, when I think about that last fast and furious movie, you think you think the prison break scene and like that just comes right to mind. Um, in fairness, I don't, there's not a scene that jumps out in my memory of Hobson Shaw. Like, yeah, the whole thing sucks. Um, you know, nothing is great. Um, I thought uh, Idris Elbow was fun. He he was doing his best with what he was given. Um, but you know, it was it was just ridiculous. I, I thought if you, if I'm judging like the four main actors in the movie, mm -hmm. I thought Idris Elba did his best with what he was given to work with. Mm -hmm. I thought. Vanessa Kirby did her best. I really feel like The Rock and Jason Statham mailed it in. Hmm. I don't think they were even trying. It was a really weird movie because when I like watch the trailer, even the trailer where they tell you the plot of the entire movie, <laughs> which is just the worst, but I really like I watch the trailers, I'm like I'm in. I'm ready. This is going to be great, yeah. right? And even when I saw the reviews that were saying it wasn't good, I'm like, whatever. The reviewers never like this type of movie, right? But it didn't land. I, did, I thought the script was bad. And the script is a big part of a movie like this because you don't need a fucking complicated story, mm -hmm. right? 
we got to kill the guy. We got to stop the guy from doing the thing. Like, it's simple, mm-hmm. right? You know, this is like a simple movie. We're trying to stop the guy from getting the virus that's going to wipe out the majority of the world's population. Bam. Great motivation. We're trying to save uh, J- uh, Shaw's. No, wait, which one is Hobbs? Yeah, Shaw is Jason Statham's character, right? Yes. We're trying to save Shaw's sister because she's been framed for this evil act you know that's like a subplot of his sister that's like 20 years younger than him yeah whatever and they apparently grew up together right (laughs) and then she's into the rock who's like 30 years older than him (laughs) (laughs) or her but whatever but whatever that's just movies i don't think you're even supposed to realize that the rock's like 50 you know (laughs) like his child in the movie is like 10 (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter but that's just normal stuff but um no, I think, you know, but for a movie like this, you need great one-liners. Like, this is the thing that keeps getting lost in all these types of action movies, is you need the great one-liners. And I'm not expecting every movie to be Commando, where they're just, like, hitting you with great line after great line after great line. I'm not expecting that. But you got to give me fucking something. And this, there isn't one good line in this whole fucking movie. I, I I think that's a very fair criticism. And this movie definitely is rooted in the great action movies of the 80s. Um, but it doesn't get there. You know, I'm never going to... I'm never going to be up... I'm never really going to want to watch this again. Like, I, I wasn't mad I went to the movies. I enjoyed myself. I had a good time while I was there. But, you know, it was, it, it was like, uh, this is dumb. Honestly, when I was there, dude, I was bored. I was See, I bored. wasn't bored when I watched it. I was so disappointed walking out of it. Because, look, I'm not expecting, like, Inception or something, right? That's not what I walked in there looking for. But in the land of action movies, I mean, I could probably name 50 action movies I would rather watch than this one. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those wouldn't even be good. I could probably get into like some Steven Seagal movies that I would rather watch. I'd rather go watch Under Siege. Ah, uh, yeah. I love <laughs> Under Siege. You know, and like Gary Busey's in that shit. And Tommy Lee Jones. Steven Seagal's a terrible actor, but he was better in most of his movies than The Rock and Jason Statham were in this movie. And I love The Rock and I love Jason Statham. And I've been saying forever. I don't understand how Jason Statham doesn't get way more work than he does because I think he knocks it out of the park. Evidently, he's kind of a pud. Whatever. But he knocks it. There's a lot of assholes, though. Everything you read is like Russell Crowe's an asshole. He's still a great actor. Oh, see, Russell Crowe being an asshole does not surprise me. Christian Bale just yells at people on set. It's whatever. That's the best rant ever, by the way, still on that him on that Terminator set. Like, you know, Christian Bale is a great actor. He knows when he's in the middle of a shit movie, right? Like, he's got to know while he's filming it. And he's, so he's probably already pissed off that he's going to be in a shit movie that he did for a payday. And then someone's in his line of sight while he's f- filming a scene. And he just flips. I love that whole rant. Like, I can't remember anything about it other than when he goes, Oh, good for you (laughs) just like this whole ridiculous (laughs) rant you know it's the best i love that whole rant 
but no, I, I just God, there's it's not that hard to make an action movie, right? I think it's actually very easy. But the one thing you need is you need some cool set pieces, which this movie did not really have, and you need some fucking great lines to make some shit memorable. Yeah, I I I felt I did not. I thought the the final battle and Samoa was just ridiculous in, I'm, I'm, in a bad way. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally okay. Like, look for like four movies now. Maybe Fast and the Furious has essentially been Avengers with cars, right? Yeah, like they're superheroes. The Rock's walking around and bullets are bouncing off his body and shit. You know. He never gets hurt in any of these battles. It's totally fine. I'm cool with it. The Rock's the Hulk in the Fast and the Furious universe, right? Cool. Whatever. Doesn't bother me. I'm all in for ridiculous bullshit. But it's got to be fun. It's got to be interesting. And that, yeah, that battle at the end, it didn't do anything for me. The whole thing where they're like hooking cars onto the it other was, cars. It made me laugh. But... So I think that I think I think my reaction to this movie was kind of a little more meta than what you would want in a in reacting to a movie like the whole thing with hooking the cars I thought I laughed hysterically because it was so stupid. Also, I don't want to see it again. No. And why not? I mean, like, I know I'm applying logic to this stupid movie, but. If you're in that situation and you're trying to ground this helicopter, why not just drive into the forest? Right? No, no, no. You have to drive along the cliff. (laughs) I don't know. It's just... The movie didn't do anything for me. Like, for me, if I'm rating it out of four stars, your standard movie rating, I'm giving it, like, a half star. I thought it was terrible. Let's see here. What are you looking up, Bob? I'm looking for Rotten Tomatoes. 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that's that's way too high. I know that's just showing you whether something was giving a positive or negative review, and that's not an indicator of quality. Mm-hmm. But that's way too high. I mean, I don't. I don't know, man. This wasn't one of those where, you know, sometimes you walk into a movie theater and you're just not in the right mood to see the movie that you're seeing. This was not that. Like, (laughs) that movie was bad, and I wanted it to be good. It was bad. I don't don't think it was as bad as you think it is, but I'm not going to argue that it's a good movie. I had fun in the theater. Um if I was being a little more choosy about what movies I was going to see, I probably wouldn't go see it. Um, Here's the other thing. I went to the theater. It was a regal. You want to take an estimate on how many minutes of trailers I saw? 27. 23 minutes of fucking movie trailers. Bob? And this is the thing. This is where it's a complete waste of time for all parties involved. I can't tell you any trailer I saw before that movie. (laughs) So if you're hitting me with 23 minutes of trailers and I can't remember 
any of them. Well, you've got me trapped in a dark theater while I ha- where I have to watch your commercial. What's the point? Like, seriously, do you when you get hit with 25 minutes of trailers, can you remember them? F- fuck you, Siri. Shut the fuck up. Don't be mean to Siri. Shut up, Siri. Um, no, I... I usually can't remember the trailer. We write them down for after the movie, but that's... That's cheating. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't count. Right. <laughs> no, I know, like, I saw the trailer for It, just because it's It and it's the stupid clown, so I can remember that. But I can't remember anything else I saw a trailer for, and that, to me, just defeats the whole purpose of advertising. Isn't the whole purpose of advertising is to create something memorable so it sticks in people's minds? Yeah. You would think. Well, I so that's the interesting thing to me is um we in in the age of YouTube, we everyone sees these trailers before they go to the theater. There's that as well. You know, and there's only one trailer out there that I want to see in the theater and it shames me that I admit this, but I still get the chills for the Star Wars trailers. Oh, you're such a geek. That latest movie, Bob. Oh, it was so bad. Which one? The uh, Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. Fuck, that movie was bad. It's probably the only Star Wars movie I haven't watched a second time. Dude, uh, people still... My sister the other day was defending The Last Jedi... And people have to get over this shit. That is a bad movie. But Ryan Johnson was doing his own thing and it was cool. (laughs) And And it doesn't matter that it had 45 plot holes. And, you know, my sister even brought up... I was so thankful because I had forgotten the whole reason I don't like this movie. But I'm so happy she brought it up. She started talking about that scene in The Last Jedi where uh, Ray. And uh, what's his face? Who's the bad guy? Kylo. Kylo Ren. Yeah, when Ray and Kylo Ren walk into that room, the big red room, to see uh, Snoke, and Kylo Ren kills Snoke, and then the whole thing ensues and all that. Great action scene, all that. Love the set, love the red with the red, like, knights and everything. That was all great. But that whole movie hinges on the idea that one of them was going to turn to the other side. That's the whole movie. And I told my sister, there's no way anyone in any theater whose brain cells are functioning at any conceivably good level (laughs) actually believed that Kylo Ren was going to the light side or that Ray was going to the dark side. Nobody actually believed that. And that's what the whole movie, that moment is what the whole movie hinges on. So the movie fails, in my opinion. Yeah. I I mean, and that's a good way to look at kind of the major plot of that movie that the movie fails for a lot of other reasons too. Oh, there was, a, I mean, the whole thing on the casino planet, 
that whole thing pointless. should have been cut completely. But yeah. we could we could dissect it. But as a major the the major plot point of the entire movie, that was it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know that you needed one of them to go the other way. As you much. didn't. You didn't need them to go, but you needed to believe it was a possibility. So I mean, there, at that point though, you're you're kind of you're you're playing the meta on that, right? Because you know, from a business standpoint, that's not going to happen. So I mean, but what could they have done that? would have made you truly believe it okay i don't think there was any way you could believe that ray was going to go to the dark side because she's been presented as too good Mm -hmm. but i think you could make the argument that if you present it correctly you could present kylo ren as a stupid kid who's emotionally driven who was like almost like driven to the dark side because he's so emotional and maybe you could use those same emotions to pull him back mm-hmm. like you could use his love for ray or whatever was going on maybe that would pull him back to the light side if you did a better job of telling that story okay but they didn't hmm. no i i Last Jedi didn't work for me. I, I think a lot of the telling signs of that were just the, you know, uh, the Mark Hamill interviews saying I didn't like what Ryan Johnson was doing with Luke. Um, I didn't like the way Kylo Ren lost complete control at the end. Um,. The whole thing with there are literally now just 12 people left in the whole resistance. Well, and and not to just, you know, not to just like sit here and shit on the whole movie. You know, I can't remember his name who plays him, but I thought the guy who plays Kylo Ren was fucking awesome in The Last Jedi. Like, I think he did absolutely everything he could possibly do with those scenes in that script, I thought he was the best actor you could possibly be given the situation, but that doesn't save the movie. No, it doesn't. And, uh, it, you know, he, he, Adam driver is his name. Yeah. Um, and he's great. Um, I generally think Daisy Ridley as Ray, yeah, she's, she's really doing, she's good. She's doing her best. Um, it, it just like you said, it's just you know, it's a bad script. Uh, and I don't know what it is. This goes back to like, like we were talking about EA and Bioware earlier. This this is one where they Disney should have probably had their hand on this a little more. That was the same stupid... Was that the same stupid fucking movie? I think it was, where... uh, What's-his-face, the captain of the Resistance, he engineers that... uh, Coup? Yeah, the coup of that ship and tries to take it over, right? That whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the movie, after they, like, knock him out and take the ship back from him and they're like, 
carting him off the ship and everything. Leia and the other woman with the purple hair are standing there and they're like, Lord Dern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, you know, I really like that guy. It's like, what? (laughs) He just tried to take your ship away from you. What are you talking about? It's not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> like, you know, when someone commits treason, I think you can hold a grudge. Well, and so many of the things that that was one of the worst failings of the movie um, was that they did not do enough or really anything to give Poe a real arc in the movie. You know, he fucks up at the very beginning and he doesn't really learn from it. He just keeps fucking up. You know, and he ha- they have a scene where Leia um, kind of scolds him and says, you need to think more about your actions. And then he doesn't, doesn't learn shit. So it's just kind of pointless. Um, you know, the whole slowest, but somehow fastest, uh, you know, f- uh, chase through space where nothing changes the whole, it, like none of nothing in the movie makes sense. Yeah, that that's the thing. When you're, I remember being in the theater, and when I watched the movie, it's one of those where you're watching it and you're in the moment and in your theater, you're in a theater filled with people. And people are cheering and they're going crazy and everything. And, you know, you walk out of it and you're like, you know, that was okay. It wasn't great. It's a little, it's like a, it's like a, you know, it's like a popcorn flick. It's fine. Yeah. And then you start thinking about it and you're like, you're like driving home and you're thinking about it and you're thinking about it and you're like, hold on. That movie fucking sucked. (laughs) Nothing made any sense. That, that happens way too often. Like there'll be times I go to a movie and I, I'll sit down, I'll watch it, and I'll enjoy it. And then the more I think about it, the more it's like. That happened to me with Jurassic World, the first one. Like, in the theater, I had a good time somehow. <laughs> but the more I thought about it after the fact, I just got increasingly angrier. <laughs> about what they did to that franchise. Um and yeah. So, um and you know, there's something to be said for that. Like you know, if if you can enjoy yourself while you're there, the movie's done its job. And you know, a lot of people don't go home and analyze it. Um and as long as you had a good time while you were there, Does, it, does anything else really matter? Um, as people who are, who are fans of movies and we are critical of them, we want them to aspire to be more. But um, and it, just, it drives you know critics nuts when movies just don't learn any lessons. But uh, well, I think if you're making a one-off standalone movie it's okay for it to be whatever it is in that moment and just be a bullshit, stupid movie. Right. Uh, but when you're making a movie like the last Jedi, 
that has seven previous movies of story that you have to weave through and into I think it really matters when that movie doesn't live up to those expectations yeah well and Star Wars Star Wars in general is so hard to live up to um, and I think after the original trilogy everything else you were going to do with that universe was going to was not going to feel right um you know it just the problem with a lot of stories that are told is that they tell them to a logical climax right and then anytime then when you have to find a way to continue you have to find a way to continue you have to find a way to top it that's why like i think about where the avengers is going to go it's like okay how are you going to top what happened well and i was (laughs) thinking about this the other day now that i I don't know if we talked about this now that you've lost you know captain america and you've lost tony stark and you've lost the actors associated with them and yeah of course you know anyone can come back it's a fucking comic book universe right you Mm -hmm. can bring anybody back but as of right now, with what's been presented to us, you just lost your two big stars. Mm-hmm. And now someone has to fill those shoes. Mm-hmm. And I think to some degree, Crim's, Chris Hemsworth is going to with Thor. Um, and he was always like the third guy, you know, so he's going to fill those shoes. Um, you know, I think the Guardians of the Galaxy is the other big, like, that's the big franchise for Disney right now, other than the Thor universe. Yeah. But those are, that's kind of like it. Like I don't, you know, so far for what's been presented to us for captain Marvel, I don't give a shit. No, Um, the movie was fine, but it was okay. Uh, and the character is obscenely powerful, which creates a bunch of problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, no one cares about black widow and she's dead in the present day anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) so does anyone really care about that prequel no i hate prequels i loathe prequels generally i agree with that yeah uh i mean who else is there you know uh, spider-man yeah that latest movie i thought it was only okay i thought it was a little better than okay but you know great no i think they have a problem in that i think that actor tom holland he's okay but i think every scene he does with the girl who plays mary jane she outshines him zendaya yeah which is like a little strange that your sidekick love interest is like a bigger star than the main character uh i don't think so not for spider-man uh and it's funny you say that because you're the literally the only person who I've ever heard say that Tom Holland was just okay in the role. Um, He's better than Tobey Maguire. See, that's a low bar. <laughs> Tobey Maguire was an excellent Peter Parker. Um, he got all the awkwardness of uh, Peter Parker that. Uh, he needed to be, but he wasn't a very good Spider-Man. Um, 
I didn't see the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. I heard he was a great Spider-Man, but a very crappy Peter Parker. Yeah, I didn't see those either. Uh, Tom Holland is very good at both, I think. Um, you know, he his awkwardness really works. Um, I thought the interaction with MJ was pretty good. And yeah, she does... She is a really strong presence on screen, and I think that works for the character of Spider-Man. Um, well, and MJ was always a strong character. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it, and I think Tom Holland is okay. I think just for me, the latest movie wasn't particularly good. I thought it was like a... I thought Myst- J- Jake Myst- Gyllenhaal was... Uh, he was having a good time. He was hamming it up big time. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I yeah, I just thought the Mysterio character was like kind of a poor villain. I don't know. It didn't that movie It was a weird choice. Yeah, well, especially that like I mean, I guess you were supposed to see it coming, but the moment they sat down in that bar, I was like, "Oh, he's the bad guy." Yep. You know, and they started talking about the glasses. I'm like, "Oh, he's the bad guy," you know. Mhm. So yeah, I just I don't know. The movie didn't do that much for me, but I'm I'm fine with the character and all that. And the I think Tom Holland is fine as Spider Man. It doesn't bother me. Um, but I just think you know, is that like your star though? Like, is that like your big star going forward? Well, that's because I big, think that's the big question. I mean, a lot a lot of that movie was based around asking that very question: is is can Spider Man, um step up to lead the Avengers I think the answer to that is no um yeah I think they're going to try to position Captain Marvel as the leader that would Um, make sense but they need to they need to start scripting that character better because I think so far she's mostly come across as unlikable in the movies she's been in Mm mm-hmm um so I just it's like it's like a scripting issue I know Brie Larson's a really good actress but it's just a you know positioning the character in the right way Mm -hmm. so we'll see what they do but yeah i think you know anything related to thor is interesting right now because ragnarok was so great yeah that movie is awesome uh you know guardians of the galaxy one is maybe the best movie in the whole marvel universe Mm -hmm. and then guardians of the galaxy 2 was still really good um, and there's not really like a star. It's more like an ensemble with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think, you know, Chris, uh, what's his name? Who plays Star Star-Lord? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Thank you. Chris Pratt like, is, is good, but he's not like, I don't think he has like a star presence to me. Like, it's not when like Robert Downey Jr. enters a scene. No. Or Chris Evans enters a scene. Yeah. So he's good, but that's more of an ensemble. And after that, it's like it starts to really fall off. You know, like nobody gives a shit about Hawkeye. Nobody gives a shit about Black Widow. You've completely neutered the Hulk. Yep. I mean, they, they got a that's a to me that's like a big problem that the Hulk is like a C level supporting hero for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. Um, well, you got Black Panther. Yeah, but I don't know. He's still yeah. That doesn't come across as like a star though to me. 
That movie racist. Was, that movie was good. <laughs> yeah. That movie was good, though. It was good. It wasn't, but, you know, to that point, it wasn't as great as everyone was saying because they wanted it to be great. No, it had it, it had more um, social uh, importance than... Uh, than the quality of the movie itself. Yeah. And I think that's fine. You know, it... it um, and I don't feel I, you, we, you know, you should be able to talk about a movie critically, um, regardless of whatever cultural significance it has. Um, but you know, it was still a good movie. It wasn't like it was a bad movie and people are falling over themselves. Over no, it. no, no. It was a good movie, but people were acting like it was a top three Marvel cinematic universe movie. And it absolutely was not. No, it wasn't even top five, but yeah, I mean, um, and that's the same thing that happened with like Captain Marvel, cultural significance. So people rated it a lot higher than what it actually was. Mm-hmm. All right, Alex. You good? I think we're good. I think we've only done like 14 hours. Only. So. Yeah. So <laughs> you've been fading for a while. You've had that look in your eyes of despair. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> All right. Well. Shoebox, thanks for being here. And hug me. Hold me tight. This has been a Puma Knife production.